With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. Hello and welcome to this gameplay special episode. We have again two producers on the podcast to talk about FIFA 23 gameplay. And I'm joined by my glamorous co-host here, Foot Legend Air Japes FIFA. Hello, welcome back. Hi Ben, glad to be back. Never been described as glamorous before, so that's <laughs> first perhaps my you know new foot name for 23 will have to be Glamorous FC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know, chip life. Can it, can it's not going anywhere let's be yeah, realistic i was gonna say let's get into this then and introduce our two gameplay producers joining us on this podcast who joined us for another gameplay podcast which you can go and listen to if you'd like to no need to listen to that first necessarily but you may want to catch that too we have with us tom kalefi hello Hello, thanks for having me, Ben. Am I glamorous too this time? Yeah, I mean, everyone's glamorous who's on the podcast. It's a fact. Fantastic. That's glamorous guest number one, Tom Caleffi, who people may know from the pitch notes, of course, because he is on top of that, has been for the last few years. And we also have with us lead gameplay producer, Sam Kovalev. Welcome back. Also very glamorous today, I'm sure. Hello, hello. I'm glad to be back to back. That's nice. Mm. Glamorous all the way. If the last time it was grilling, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I love it more. I love <laughs> it, more. <laughs> it changes love it quickly. But we still got some tough questions this week. In fact, we might have a few more than last week, to be honest. Last time we started with things that you both wanted to highlight as great new features, but I know there are more because having had a discussion after the last podcast, you're both saying there are things that you definitely wanted to mention that we didn't get to. And one of those, Tom, is definitely the partial team press, which I know having played the game is going to be something people get into using. Do you want to explain a bit about how and where you might do that, how it works? Now, instead of just tapping and holding for a, a second container, a secondary container, however you want to call it. Mm. So now we have a new mechanical partial team press where you double tap and then you hold and it basically sends two of your players to mark the opponent's passing options. So it 
it uses two of your teammates out of their way, and then you can actually be the one to go and attack the ball handler if you want mm. with your controlled player. So it, it kind of gives you more options. And for me, I think that's kind of the main way that I've been using to press in FIFA 23. I like it a lot because I think, Sam, what it does is it makes you do what should be the focus, which is putting pressure on the ball. Whereas previously you would have been relying on the secondary press to put pressure on the ball and go mark a passing option. Well, that depends what's on your mind. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I do really love this because it gives like an extra way to to defend, mm. uh, depending on the situation, and especially it helps with uh, tracking some of the uh, runs uh, from the uh, from the opponent, because we know like uh, tracking the runs is uh, sometimes uh, quite hard. Uh, to do genuinely in the game and in the past if you can see that your opponent is uh, very heavily using the through balls uh, most of the time you would need to anticipate the pass switch back to the defender attract the run yourself because that was the only way to kind of uh, uh, truly defend uh, certain situations and now I really love that the uh, you can rely on the partial team press uh, to help you in those situations so something that players can uh, find uh, quite useful. And uh, me, myself, uh, as well as Thomas, I uh, right now use it like a lot. Mm. Uh, maybe too much, maybe even too much. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I feel like it's uh, it's quite useful. Does that mean there's a balancing concern there? Or, or how do you feel about it? Is it something you're going to be looking at closely in terms of balancing? No, we, we look uh, look at the balance all the time. Mm. I'm using it too much. I mean, like sometimes like unnecessary. For like, I'm leaving up the space, uh, the midfield for the kind of the pass back and approach. Because if you track back with a couple of your defenders, then uh, you leave the space for maybe pass in the center and the the power shot. Now you need to think about all of that stuff at the same time. When is the best way to uh, track back? Because if you track back, there is no through pass. It was just uh, elaborate plan, and the the opponent still playing the possession game. So you need to think about all those possibilities. Mm-hmm. I really uh, love to see like players like uh, running back because I really don't like conceding from the through balls. I, I don't know like you guys, but I don't like uh, conceding from the through balls, being on a one-on-one situation. So sometimes I'm like, you know what? I will overprotect myself from the passing options. But yeah, I will I will make the uh, center of the pitch uh, more more accessible for the opponent. That's that's my choice. And there's one thing that. James, I was thinking we have to ask the gameplay producers because it is foot weekly tradition. That's true. I don't know whether just by saying that you know what it is. But. Yeah, I know exactly where you're going. And I believe one Chabi Barlton wants to know the same thing is, will Tony Cruz be usable this year? <laughs> well, I guess that's always something we strive for. Mm-hmm. It, it was funny because one of the reasons why I did the Accelerate was to make some players like Tony Cruz more usable. But then I realized that Tony Cruz has neither agility or strength in our game, which is <laughs> kind of defeats a little bit of the purpose of trying to make him have a different run curve. But I think our idea, for example, with Accelerate is to make a lot of archetypes or a lot of types of players more useful. So you can get a, a player that normally is not really good at acceleration and have them more explosive or have them more lengthy. And for Tony Cruz, I feel like since he's a really good passer, he might be a better use for, like, you might be able to rely on him or on some of 
with the semi true passes, which is another new, not new thing, but we since we revamped it this year, it's better to have a better passer like Tony Cruz. So he might be more useful than you think. Mm. Hmm. Sam, I think something that we often talk about on the podcast when talking about gameplay is that the attribute pace and physicality, for example, are always going to end up being quite important because where the balance between skill and physicality and pace are concerned, you obviously can compensate to some extent for a player's passing ability by your own input, whereas you can't do that with pace and physicality. So is it always going to be the case that those attributes are very important and no passing ability is going to make up for a player having you know 50 pace? Well, it's it's a tough question that uh, because the meta is uh, is represented the way a certain player plays, but also it's certain like uh, the most easiest way to play, mm. and in a sense, the speed uh, is a very noticeable change. Is something that's uh, quite uh, uh, right in front of your eyes uh, when you're chasing down someone, when you're going on the break, getting behind. Uh, it's very easy to see like a direct, more direct correlation between the attribute and the the outcome on the pitch, mm. because all of our attributes uh, they play a role in uh, multiple gameplay systems, like different type of passing, getting the uh, first touch on the on a dribbling. So there is so many different aspects of the game where the attributes uh, do play a big role, but sometimes maybe it's a little bit harder for people to clearly see the impact and maybe sometimes because you, you you're moving all the time you're moving all the time so you think like oh yeah so the pace is more important because I'm moving all the time I want to pass to my getting behind and so on but if let's say you're playing the more possession game and uh, like tiki taka and trying to recreate the Barcelona, Manchester City approach to the game of uh, dominating the center of the pitch, then I wouldn't be surprised. And pace for you is uh, no longer the key attribute and the passing is. And then you want to utilize the uh, semi-assisted passing because it, it's something that will uh, uh, be more uh, truly shine for the players with the high attributes. So I think like it's uh, inevitable in the sense that everyone kind of still looks just for the pace. And yes, we do know that the pace exactly helps like a lot in uh, different type of the situations. But uh, I feel like it depends on the play style. If, you're, if you don't do the uh, uh, quick runs to try to beat your opponent, then uh, yeah, then the pace uh, is no longer something that uh, will be your primarily focus uh, for the search. A lot of times people look also for the pace because there is a, a discrepancy because between the, let's say, the attacking players and the defenders. So then that gap between their attributes will naturally create kind of a, a zone of attraction because, yeah, mm. I can uh, create some, uh, let's say, advantage there because of the speed, uh, speed gap. But uh, if you think about later during the year or when the more defenders kind of uh, catching up, to the this uh, and the baseline for the attribute is going up. You no longer have this uh, speed advantage, and uh, then uh, you need to change your play style because you can no longer get uh, over the defenders. And especially with the new accelerate, our defenders who are physically strong, they will be able to catch up on the longer distances, which will help against those, 
let's say heavily dominant on the like getting behind and like just with a very simplistic like send the ball and I know my player is like faster in those mm-hmm. type of situations. So I feel like the the more we we look at the like throughout the year, then the less speed might be playing the the critical role. Of course, it will always play one of the critical role. Again, player moves ninety nine percent of the time, but uh, I think uh, players, uh, especially our elite players, uh, on the like in the high divisions, and we can look at the uh, stats coming up from the on the data side, on the server side, uh, there is a widespread of the uh, players who use uh, different players. So pace, yes, is important to start in the game because it's clearly something easy to understand. But uh, I think many other attributes are also super important. And I feel like our players uh, can feel it. Mm. And if I can really quickly add, there's a, we always try to add like new mechanics to balance out and to show players that just not pace is the only thing that matters, like Sam was saying. So, for example, Accelerate is a good example. I might prefer a player who has a little bit less pace, but he has an explosive run curve so he can cover a little, a tiny space. Or even I might prefer a player who's controlled, who's a regular one and doesn't have any downside, right? And, and the same on the defending side. If you look at the defensive positioning in the deep dive, now the defensive awareness will control how quickly some of the defenders get back into position. So this defender has 99 pace. If he has a bad defensive awareness, he might be often, often, often caught out of position and not be able to recover as quickly because the defensive awareness matters for him to get back. Mm. And the same with jockey. Uh, defensive awareness control how fast you can go during jockey. So if you use an attacker to defend, let's say, and try to jockey, he might be easily outsped by even Tony Cruz or any person because an attacker won't be able to jockey as fast as any other defender, right? So there's always ways we're trying to balance here. And I feel like the higher you get, like Sam K was saying, you'll see that less reliability on pace. Mm-hmm. I feel like all, a lot of things come into like to try and to see what worked for you. But I would give like a small, like uh, not a hint, but uh, a tip. I would really recommend for our players to try, I would say New Holland uh, in FIFA 23, but mm. uh, to try Holland as a player. Because I know like Holland was not, was kind of underused last year, primarily because of the speed. But now with the speed and the high strength, there's a certain things that only kind of the Holland can do, and like he will feel quite different. And you might find out that uh, actually he will be uh, a weapon of choice for many players because of their play style and because he's different. He might fit more their uh, play style than the other, let's say, more typical type of the uh, explosive uh, attackers. Yeah, I think I think you if with chemistry styles especially he could get his pace up to a point where he felt rapid. I think it's the expression that people use is turns like a truck. Mm-hmm. And I think that for a lot of people and just based on how, you know, dribbling's previously been, if they couldn't do that quick shifty style movement to create space, the attacker was like quote unquote no good. You know, Holland's like a really interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't want to say like case study uh, in like attributes, but he has a lot of really important attributes. Maybe I guess this year missing the agility, balance, and like weak foot that people put in high regard. Yeah, he's a player that's going to be very interesting to see early in the cycle. Whether that 
you know, it does come to fruition his ability. But we talked about Accelerate a few times here, but haven't, I guess, talked about it on the last podcast and perhaps haven't talked about it in too much depth here so far. But the idea being that there are now three acceleration styles, would you call them? Um, you've got lengthy, explosive, and then controlled. Controlled is default, which is as players are currently, but explosive and lengthy will be offering something different to what we've seen. One thing that I was a little confused about, Tom, perhaps you could explain this, is why not just make it so that low acceleration means that a player accelerates slower and high sprint speed means a player gets up to a higher speed, which is how it currently works. What was the need for a new system to implement that? Whereas isn't that what stats currently do? That's a good question. And that's still what stats does. Acceleration is how fast you get to your max sprint and sprint speed is how fast you can go overall. But we identified the need even among the same players to cover different roles and things like that. So like if you look at Van Dyke, for example, he's extremely fast. And yes, in the game, he was fast, but with his low acceleration meant that he would be preferred over some other players, let's say, in a sprint. Well, maybe Van Dyke might not be the best example since he was always a great defender, but you can see that kind of thing. Like Van Dyke has low acceleration and high sprint speed, so a lot of players prefer a center back like Walker that has both high, right? But then with lengthy, now Van Dyke is a lengthy player, he can actually start as slow as he would before, but he would get a boost in acceleration at the end on his curve. So he's going to easily get to the high point and maybe he might reach his top speed, which is very high, earlier than other players. Mm. So it's basically to create a different gameplay dynamic, right? So for example, like I can use an explosive player to cover a small pace, a space, but then he's going to slow down a little bit. And then I can use a lengthy player to go and run the whole pitch and then catch a long true ball. So where is in an even players with the same attribute? And that's kind of where the 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 design of this feature exists, right? It's like three players, even three exact players that are 99, both acceleration and sprint speed, they will behave differently in the pitch and they will have different roles. So it gives more depth to team building and things like that, because you could pair an explosive defender with a lengthy defender. So you can have one to cover small spaces and another one to get like a striker that is on the breakaway. Mm. Right. So, so what we're saying here is it's more that it's no longer like a linear acceleration. So previously a player would accelerate on sort of a straight line. Whereas now for lengthy players, as they reach the top end, they are going to get faster quicker at that top end and therefore they will have an advantage over a controlled player exactly so think about that controlled is kind of the middle ground which is like a straight line that keeps going up mm. but then an an explosive it will it goes up faster and then it kind of tapers off it keeps going up of course because you need to the acceleration to always be positive it keeps going up but it goes up at a slower rate and then control so basically explosive starts first and then control would pass explosive right? Yeah. That's kind of one of the generals. And lengthy is the last one to start, but lengthy will end up passing both control and explosive at the end, considering mm. somebody with same pace and sprint speed. It gives that interesting balance to the game. But I suppose something to clarify is 
if all these players that we're talking about, explosive, controlled, lengthy, they've all got 90 sprint speed, are they all going to be, once they've reached their top speed, have been running for a bit, are they all going to be running at the same speed? They're going to be running at the same speed, but let's say yeah. a, a, a lengthy player will reach their top speed first, right? So if both have 90 acceleration and 90 sprint speed, the lengthy player will reach their top speed first. And then since he's faster for longer, he will pass the other two. You know what I mean? But at the same time, the explosive player will have reached a speed, like mm. a higher speed first. So so if you imagine yeah, a yeah, race, yeah, yeah. the explosive guy starts first, the the, clo- the control guy is coming around, and then eventually the lengthy passes both of them because mm-hmm. he will have a higher speed for longer. So it's a very interesting dynamic that you can create there. Yeah, yeah. No, that does make sense to me, actually. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one because you do just think acceleration, sprint speed, and think of them as they've always been very static, linear things. But actually, yeah, this makes a lot more sense that there's going to be that variation. And I do get it now. We did have this question from Tommy saying, what will happen once players have pretty much all 90 pluses? Because once players reach all 90 plus, basically everyone would have the controlled acceleration style. Is that correct? I think that is uh, correct because uh, in a sense, or there will be more players percentage-wise, who will be in control. Because the what was driving us design-wise was to kind of recreate things that we see in real life and type of the uh, running uh, acceleration behaviors that uh, we see in real life with the uh, defenders catching up and uh, having this, those long strides and really mm-hmm. accelerate. Because you look at the videos, Van Dijk, Varane, they, they eating up the, the attackers, uh, and you're like, wow, that's uh, not happening that much in our game. But this is something they can uh, reach up those top speeds at the end. So that was one of the things. So like Luka Modric getting like super explosive on the first steps. And something, again, we don't see that much because his like stats are not, uh, the default baseline stats are not that high. So it was created behind the different archetypes of the players, how they are like their strengths and weaknesses and the spread of their stats. So yes, it, the feature is kind of naturalized within the realm of uh, uh, more realistic real-life football and the like the natural attributes spread. So like around 80s, high 80s and 90s. But the more we go into the into the realm of uh, team of the year and like best cards with the 99 overall, 98 uh, everywhere uh, on the pitch with no kind of weaknesses. So then you kind of say, like, in terms of the, their personality, yeah, they might lose a little bit of this uh, uh, spread between uh, explosive lengthy and uh, controlled. But at that time, we can say that's something as expected design-wise because, yeah, those players are just, they don't have, uh, let's say, any weaknesses in their game. So. Mm-hmm. so it becomes less impactful, perhaps, as it goes on. Uh, potentially, yes. But I could see, I could clearly see more defenders staying within the lengthy, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. less attackers will be stay be explosive because uh, they will gain a little bit of strength, especially strikers. But maybe the wingers being that position type, they will still be uh, more explosive. We need to see. We need to see. I was going to say, actually, talking about centre-backs, there has been a penalty to centre-backs who are not actual centre-backs playing a centre-back, but in foot, they're now going to be alternate positions. So someone like Carl Walker, if he has a 
centre-back alternate position, is he going to get a penalty if he's converted to a centre-back? Okay, yeah, I know where you're going. We introduced a penalty for players out of position to be placed on the centre-back to get some of the tactical awareness uh, positioning-wise on defensive end, which kind of makes sense because in real life, in order to be effective as a centre-back, you need to have some experience playing as a centre-back. It's a a different game. And uh, the question that uh, you just mentioned is about will this penalty apply if I will take uh, a player like a Kyle Walker and he has a secondary position of the centre-back and I will use the position modifier, he becomes a centre-back, does uh, the penalty still applies or not? And the answer is no, the penalty will go away because once you change the position, the system thinks this is a player is a true centre-back. But you need to change the position. If someone has a secondary position uh, centre-back, but you didn't switch his position with the position modifier uh, to actually be centre-back, yes, the penalty uh, uh, will apply. So we only kind of read uh, the current pr- uh, position. So I guess uh, we will see more Kyle Walkers uh, uh, this year. I think the, uh, you made an interesting kind of note there that they need the positional awareness. You know, oftentimes people switch a player like Acuna, who has super well-rounded left-back defensive stats into a holding midfield position. Is there any penalty, you know, for that? Or is it just outside back to center back? So could you put a defensive midfielder into center back and not have a penalty? It's any position to center back. Any position to center back. Okay. But not the inverse of that. Yes. uh, To to my knowledge, that's the only one that we kind of hardcore. Because there's many other things that also play a role. For example, your work rates but in terms of this kind of the hard-coded penalty because you changed the position we've done specifically for for the center back so that is good that's going to make things very interesting for certain players and what i wanted to move us on to again regarding defenders actually and i guess this concerns center backs particularly is this question from soviet neil here he says one of the most off-putting and frustrating things about the last few titles has been how many times per game a shot is auto-blocked, far more than would be possible in real life, leading to much of the community adopting a counter-attack mentality that removes a lot of the enjoyment. How sure are the producers that the new reflex block system with more natural range of AI blocks will fix this issue to make a less frustrating experience? I think it's definitely something people talk about a lot, blocks. And it's worth noting that actually the recent change that we had in FIFA 22, the gameplay patch, did make a bit of a difference on this already. But I noticed, Tom, there are some specifics within there about different lengths people can block at or distances. And it does seem like it's a system focused on people manually blocking now. Yeah, and I, and I think Sam K can dive a little bit deep into the system. But for me, it's manual is the way to go now. And that's where like the combination of the the blocking and the reflex blocks and the new jockey shine, you can use the jockey to position yourself well while sending two other players to partial team press the other passing lanes and then rely on your manual block to block a shot or even a a pass that is incoming. So that's, um, it's kind of like a way for all the mechanics to kind of fit in together, but blocking now it's going to make a big difference. If you think about the range 
it's double the range right when you press a manual block as opposed to when you let the AI block for you. For you. So this should be, make a big difference in the way players behave, at least blocking the shots. We also uncrowned a little bit of the area in front of the box. So that way we're incentivizing you to actually cover the positions and block manually more. Mm-hmm. Makes a lot of sense. And Sam, in terms of the specifics, I know there are some interesting changes in terms of player direction. Uh, I, you you want to hear this? Yeah, yeah. Good <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I hear you. I know uh, every year we, uh, we are tracking... Uh, the most uh, uh, vocal uh, frustration points for our community and definitely the auto blocks were uh, among the top five last year. That's why we've done several things to to improve. And like you said, uh, like some things that were uh, were easily even to kind of recreate in uh, FIFA 22 that was part of the uh, uh, latest gameplay patch, which was uh, decreasing the... Uh, uh, the distance that the player can actually block. So there's a three things on the blocking system that uh, changed, and we believe that combination of those uh, definitely improved this feeling and the frustration because, like, yeah, I, I know the feeling. I know the feeling, play the game. And uh, so imagine that there is a, a blocking defender. He can uh, block, let's say, three feet uh, to the left, if you to the to the right. So besides just the shrinking down the the blocking distance, the blocking distance will also be adjusted based on the defender's movement. So if you like run in full speed to to the far post, you will still maintain this the same kind of the uh, blocking distance possibility uh, in your like in the direction of your movement, but in the opposite direction. The uh, this blocking distance will actually uh, be decreased even more, so it will no longer be like a meter; it will be like a half a meter because of the the speed change. And I think like this also will help with some of the auto blocking situations when you see like, uh, oh wait a second, the defender was moving left, and suddenly he can still like as effectively block to the other side, and that felt a little bit unnatural, unrealistic. And then the third part that really helps with this kind of feel of the inauthentic football is the the whole new reflex blocks, which is a more natural uh, looking animations. Many of those animations we actually took from the the game that happened in Spain because um, uh, they were really good uh, assets to put into the game. Because imagine like you go to the mock-up session with several stunt uh, uh, professionals and uh, they you want to record uh, some of the sessions and you say like oh do the blocks but mm. then the player knows okay I- I'm, I'm gonna do the block like you know like it will happen like this in advance it it can look a little bit more mechanically but when the uh, when we had the accent suits and we were capturing this uh, as a part of this uh, high promotion push on the visual quality uh, this year the uh, the blocks that happen during the like natural game are very authentic in terms of the uh, the motions because in the past you would see some of the blocks they look kind of calculated like the player would know in advance where the ball is going like put the foot in the perfect position that all felt a little bit pre-calculated canned and uh, just uh, simply unfair Mm. And uh, new reflex blocks, I really love them. The player moves, uh, doing like a uh, anticipation movement, jumps over, uh, put his back. There's all different like type of the stuff, and uh, you should pl- play the game, try the close better. And uh, 
Uh, I think uh, I think we uh, we definitely address that frustration point, and I hope that uh, it will no longer be a part of our uh, top fives or even like a big major frustration points for uh, FIFA 23. Nice. And Sam K, I have to admit something. I know we didn't design for that, but I love using hard slide tackles to block shots and passes. It's um. It's a thing I, yeah. I like to do in the box. It's risky, and I've gave a couple pens away, but I, I can't help it. it. That sensation of sliding a long mm. distance and kind of managing to get the ball away, it's so rewarding. Can you, are you more likely to get a... Well, if you were to... I'm going to call it like Jaka-style tackle someone with a longer slide straight into them, are you more likely to pick up a red that way? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough question to, to ask. The, uh, the, 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 the hard slide, the, as a mechanic, instead of like trying to find uh, maybe a teammate or get the possession for yourself, its first priority will be to see if there's a clear ways to like completely diffuse the situation, send the ball out of play. And but it also comes at the unlocking maybe a little bit uh, kind of the higher speed and the power towards the kicking motion, so you can send it like really over the ad boards uh, here and there. And uh, so it's more in terms of the difference in terms of the mechanics. Some of the animations, yeah, you go with the two foot to go quickly for for the ball. Yeah, you will get the the, the yellow and red cards, but it's not that by design. It's not like a tactical foul. In sure. a sense, on average, yes, you will have more cards uh, with the with the hard slide, but not because the mechanic is uh, you will get more uh, more cards. <laughs> it's because like the the natural uh, attributes of the mechanic with the higher speed, like jumping into the ball, like trying to get it like further. Yeah, you will get so, some cards, but uh, it's it's worth uh, to it's worth uh, to add this into your arsenal of. Uh, defending tools and it's really effective in certain cases like Thomas said trying to block the uh, the power shots like when you see like there's no other choices uh, for yourself yeah that's uh, absolutely a go-to I, I'm also using it uh, a lot during those cases interesting I'm having visions of getting uh, plenty of cards using this as somebody's trying to sprint down the line to counterattack my 100 depth <laughs> <laughs> rotational fouling yeah. yeah exactly Ben Ben knows my game <laughs> I think the I want to transition a little bit um, because one of the things that I'm really, really interested in is how, I guess, the core passing system is set up and the difference between kind of manual and assisted and semi. I hear a lot from listeners that either passing's terrible or passing's fine. And to me, it feels entirely fine. But I think that's because I keep my left stick pointed where at like the exact specific player that it needs to be pointed to. So I'm kind of curious if we can break down a little bit on how the the passing system is built up from the core and the benefits, you know, and, and changes this year from manual kind of semi and all the way to assisted. We decided to improve a little bit of the semi-assisted two passes this year for competitive. And we're also enforcing lob two passes being semi. So it, it's a very interesting dynamic because I've received a lot of cases in the last year and players showing me like, look at this pass, it's terrible. And I'm like, okay, it, it, it's tough to say. I don't want to blame players, but also I know the system wasn't perfect. So one of the things we tried to do this year for the semi-true passes is give you less assistance. And while that sounds crazy, it's because we noticed that it, in a lot of cases, players were aiming at maybe interesting possibilities that 
the assisted system doesn't consider because the assisted system has not limited, but it only goes to where the player can reach safely. And it doesn't like move players out of the way or doesn't do crazy passes. But I noticed that players were trying to do some crazy passes. So the semi-assisted this year allows you to do some of those interesting passes. Like you can actually pull a player out of the way or try a left pass when he's running right. So you have that control. But at the same time, if you're aiming really badly, you're going to be more punished than before because it's probable that you get a pass where you're aiming, which means if you're aiming badly, you get a pass there. Or if Mm. you're aiming well, you can get a pass there. So you could definitely find different spaces and different ways to pass now, but it's also more challenging in a way if you're not paying attention to your true passes. But again, that comes back to what we said next week. You shouldn't do two passes all the time with any player, right? We don't want you to get a defender and just bump a true pass forward without even looking at it. There's like there's a high possibility, unless you're really good at it, that you're going to miss. That's not the purpose of a true pass, right? So the improvements to true pass are more geared towards that. Like, okay, I'm thinking, well, I know that if I aim here, I can probably dislocate the defender my attacker will go get it or you can aim towards the attacker like you're saying and you'll get a good pass and and then speaking of receiver i think we added a new setting that sam k loves this year the power up and i think he can he can explain why he loves it so much because i added just i added for players like him and another other people in the team that have that tendency of moving the last stick too much when they aim at somebody. A couple of minutes ago, you said like, oh, and when they're doing some uh, crazy passing. And I heard Sam's crazy passing. And I was like, what? I don't do crazy passing. I do like just a normal amount of craziness in my passing. But then I remember, yes, I tend to lift off the uh, the left stick. Or, you know, sometimes I'm passing, but I'm thinking like two steps ahead. Okay, I'm passing to to my winger, then I'll go to the center. And because I'm like thinking a couple of steps ahead, I already started to move my uh, my left stick. And the game being that uh, super kind of responsive and being able to readjust the aim was always kind of, uh, uh, I'm like, yes, this is a great uh, thing. But uh, at certain points, uh, my play style, I want to kind of do more pre-calculated like passing options like, here, 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 here. I'm like kind of thinking this in my head. And I know like some other players, uh, even on our team, uh, several team members had the uh, similar uh, preference and we added this power up, which means the, we will lock the direction on the like, what, who is your uh, pass receiver uh, at, the, at the moment then you lift off the passing button. So the, you need to aim uh, good right away. There is no way to kind of change it, adjust it uh, afterwards. But if you're good at the initial aim and you lock it with the uh, power up, you can like already change the elastic. And uh, I feel like it's great. I think like, it's great that we give like the options for the uh, players to to find what works the best for them. Similar ways with the semi-assisted uh, uh, passing that it might uh, become more and more in favor of uh, like giving the benefits uh, for the players to try it more. And I think uh, it's the right way to to continue developing the games, to give uh, this kind of the uh, preferences for players with different play styles and with the different uh, level of uh, pure skill. Sounds good. Yeah, looking forward to trying that out. So 
Next question from a listener. Meg Ballett says, have they said anything, that's you guys, about player switching being improved overall or just the new adaptive switching feature? I guess this is a chance actually to talk a bit about that and how that might help people who are or have struggled with switching. Um, But is there anything else beyond that as well? The answer is yes and yes, in the sense that yes, there is a new uh, adaptive uh, right stick switching. I, uh, again, I encourage everyone to try out. When it comes to the other, any other changes uh, on the system in general, on the player switching, uh, behind the scenes, the answer is yes. We are constantly trying to, to improve the system in general. It's just switching is um, it's a hard topic in a sense that uh, a lot of times it's, uh, it's impossible to know the uh, uh, someone's uh, what's happening exactly on someone's mind. We don't have the like the eye tracking or the uh, mm, a, a chip in the hat to know exactly when you're playing. Because if you do certain situations and you show the exact uh, screenshot from the game to several people, they will point out to different players saying like, "Oh, I think we should switch to this player. Or we should switch to this player." And especially in the time when the there's multiple players not so far from the ball, at kind of the closer distances. I feel like it's inevitable that uh, even from kind of the mathematical point of view, whatever the system you will implement, there will be cases there might be like a conflict or similar values and it will be kind of switch forth and back. So it's it's really hard uh, problem to solve. We're trying constantly to improve and especially finding more kind of the granular cases where we can fine-tune to do a certain um, player to switch to uh, in most situations and improve those. So we continue to do those. Uh, But then uh, we know that the right stick switching is something that uh, is more precise, something that gives uh, players the uh, more control over exactly the player they want to switch to. And the adaptive uh, adaptive settings is another step to to make it even more in control. uh, Because now, if you hold the right stick for uh, prolongated time. And by long time, I mean like it's just a couple of extra uh, milliseconds, really. It will allow you to to switch to the player like further down the pitch. And uh, you can use it in combination with both uh, player relative and the ball relative. For example, myself, I I play with the ball relative. But then for me, uh, especially on the counter-attack, uh, if I see the run uh, on the other side of the pitch, it's uh, literally impossible to quickly switch uh, for the player uh, further away, like on the other side to my uh, fullback. Actually, it's completely impossible mm. uh, with the right stick because even if I will flick a couple of times, the ball is still kind of the, in the center on the other side. So I cannot, cannot do that. So uh, that's uh, quite helpful to see uh, in those cases when you see the... Uh, uh, and can anticipate what exactly will happen. It definitely comes with the little bit of side effect that now it's just slightly uh, will take a little bit long, longer time for the initial uh, switch uh, for the quick flicks because we're still kind of trying to anticipate and know if the uh, player wants to switch to the player right away or wants to switch to the player further down the line. But I feel like it's uh, still quite fast still responsive, and if uh, in your playstyle you just use those super quick, uh, uh, snappy switch uh, close to the ball uh, and or the, with the player relative close to the ball, 
those snapping ones, sure, you can, uh, then maybe you don't need to use the adaptive switch. But I know like for the, for the many players uh, where the, they need the right stick to, to be more in the control exactly where I'm switching at. And also it have like a small like visual indicator uh, showing where you're aiming at the point. It's uh, actually quite useful, yeah. So switching, I think it's a tough topic in general. You can switch uh, 10 times during the, during the game and everything is all good. But then one time you will switch and you would feel like, oh, something happened. Even if maybe the system still was uh, was doing all good, but because you don't see your inputs exactly at that time, it can free you off. And then suddenly you will say like, oh, you know what? Switching is not working. Because it's a kind of the play style. Some people will mm. tend to go uh, at the center. Some people will get closer to, always closer to the ball or to the sideline in certain situations. It's very preferential. It's hard to... Uh, do like a perfect formula that works all the time. That's why we're trying to implement uh, uh, mechanics that kind of work differently. It's it's a topic that will never we will never stop uh, improving, and uh, we might add new yeah, yeah. new ways uh, in the future too. So just to wrap up um, for now, I mean, hopefully we'll get a chance to speak to you both, or at least one of you, or maybe both of you again about gameplay related things. Um, but something to wrap up for now, I thought it'd be nice to ask. What is one thing people should look out for? I know there are things that you've said are your favorites, but I don't know whether it's a, a skill move or a specific movement that you can now do or something that you yourself have been using when experimenting with the game that you think people might enjoy. Should we go to you, Tom, first? I kind of mentioned before, but for me, a lot of the, the times, it's all about maximizing your opportunities. So there's two mechanics that we added. One is not really a different button, but that are really impactful for that. One is the low shots. So really keep in mind that now any type of shot, you can just tap and you will get a driven, the old driven shot. And it's it, this mechanic just kind of makes sense for us because when do you want a sl slow speed shot? Never, right? Mm. So now, instead, when you tap, you're going to get a driven shot on the ground. So it's it's still powerful. It's still fast, even though it's a tap. So the tap is more reliable than ever. So when you have a space or empty net, just tap. Don't risk overpowering. Don't risk trying to be fancy. You can do low finesse. You can do low power shot. You can do low normal shot. So every type of shot now can be have a low version. So that's mm. use that. Learn that because... That's don't be scared of using it. It's super useful. Mm. And then at the same time, another thing to do to maximize your shots. And you you both mentioned weak foot before is try the new outside of foot shots and passes, which is basically the fancy button. So there is a little bit of learning curve there because you could conflict with the with the fancy button because it's the same button. But if you actually get a high powered version. If you high power, if you power more, you more reliable get an outside of the foot shot, and mm. it's all about angling yourself for that outside of the foot shot. So if your player doesn't have a good weak foot, just kind of angle yourself perfectly for the weak foot and press and hold the left trigger, and you can see that they're gonna try to do an outside of the foot shot or pass, and and it works with any pass and it works with any shot, and it's a really more reliable way to get an outside of the foot shot and pass even though you might not have the trait. If you do have the trait, it will be a better version. Like it will have either more accurate or more animations, but any player can do it. 
So it's a good way to get around some weak foot issues, especially when you're kind of positioned that perfect diagonal angle that you're like, ah, just use the other foot. Don't use your weak foot. Mm. So those are my two suggestions that I would just try it out and identify when the situations are appropriate to use those two. Makes sense. No, I think that's a, a really fun one. I'll, I'll look forward to doing that. And what about you, Sam? Any particular thing that people should look out for? I would definitely say like uh, try uh, to try all the new skill moves and their variations uh, in the game for the players to try. Uh, I can definitely say that the uh, heal to ball roll looks really good, feels really good. It also have the opportunity with the left input stick. You can determine where exactly you you exit in left or right. So it's uh, it's quite powerful. Mm-hmm. I feel like we implemented this like within like a a month of seeing the viral video happening. And then we know like we had the mock-up session. So that was like quite uh, a great to see like the whole process of like when we, we've been inspired by seeing that viral video. I feel like it was even on TikTok happening on. And then we like discussed this. Okay, let's do this. And then it was like in the game, uh, like uh, within the month and we experimented and it's like, oh yeah, that's uh, that's quite a powerful skill move. But then in terms of the mechanic, the other mechanic to try is the hard slice that we briefly mentioned. Mm. But uh, I feel like conceptually, uh, again, there's just a different uh, choice uh, uh, for the player. Obviously, uh, as I mentioned, those uh, hard slides is something that will try to to send the the ball um, as far away as possible, uh, out of play. So it will... um, it, especially it will uh, working really well when you're close to the sideline. Uh, the opponent is on the counterattack, doing the knock-ons. So it's like a, a direct counter to those kind of the knock-ons and uh, sprint uh, dribble touches because the opponent will leave the uh, increased distance uh, between their feet and the ball. Then you don't need to think about like, oh, if I'm tackling, the opponent might... Uh, get the ball back or uh, I will get a possession for a short period of time, but then he can still press me. Like it might be uh, hard to perform. It's a pretty simple, I just clear it and give me extra couple of seconds for my whole team to come back. So it's really working quite well uh, against the counterattacks and the, uh, let's say, mismatch situations when it's like two on one, three on two. Uh, And, uh, but the low key, other type of uh, very effective usage of the hard slide is to, like we mentioned today, it's it's kind of the counter towards the uh, power shot in the same sense that uh, when the opponent is using the power shot, there is uh, enough time to anticipate, perform a tackle, uh, perform a block, uh, or simply get closer to the ball. And uh, the hard slide seems to be like just... It's uh, it's a match uh, made in heaven. You're a little bit further away from the ball, not enough time to uh, block yourself. You you go for the hard slides uh, for this, and with the tip of your toe, you just uh, slightly abstract uh, the ball, kick it uh, a little bit to the side, and uh, it's a difference between conceding the goal and staying um, intact. Nice. And as a last one, as a last thing, I would I will mention this. My uh, uh, personal dream. I think it's possible to score the goal with the hard slide. 
if you aim, because it's more, it's, it's kind of like, if you go in that direction, it's more kind of manual in this sense, these slides. Slides are harder to perform, like, in general, but I feel like it would be, uh, the you, you're asking what's uh, what's the prize or reward. I feel like scoring from a hard slide, it's rewarded enough already. Yeah, you know? but you said flights to Vancouver, award ceremony, all sorts. <laughs> but no, if you do score one, send it in footweekly at mail.com you can also tweet at footweekly pod right on that i think it is time to wrap up this podcast very generous of these gameplay producers to spare their time thank you very much first of all to sam for joining us on the pod thank you for inviting thank you for coming and to tom as well who people can follow at tom kaleffi on twitter Thanks for having me. And yeah, follow me over there. I won't answer most of the time, but I, I promise you I'll be reading it. No grilling there. Just, <laughs> just be fabulous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only grilled meats, no actual grilling on this Twitter. <laughs> and Japes as well. Thank you very much for coming on, asking some questions. Always appreciate it. Pleasure as always. There we go. That wraps up this Foot Weekly podcast. If you'd like more FIFA 23 chat and advice, then do subscribe to the Foot Weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. And also on YouTube, if you are watching there, then do drop a like and, of course, a comment too. It's been great to have you along for these podcasts and they wouldn't be possible without our supporters. So thank you very much to the supporters keeping the podcast going and to those icon patrons. Dave B, Coach Vass, Chris W, DJ FIFA player, Hugh J, Steve C, Matt L, Alistair, Alan G, Anthony R, Dominic, Rob P, L, Jeff B, Christopher R, Stephen F, Michael, Tom B, Damon H, Nick Jack M, Eric T, Roger D, Alex M, Dan W, Sila P, Matt H, Harry P, Neil P, Adam G, At Pace of a Tortoise, Brian S, Andrew C, Sam K, Jake G, Michael P, Zach O, Springford, Patrick, Dominic G, Adam HC, Adam R, Andy H, Joe W, Dylan, Orion B, Mindle L, and Tim J. Plus a special thanks to Luke M, Dave B, Hugh J, Tom M, Darren W, and Pato Foot for advice and production assistance. Before I leave you, just one more thing to add, though. FIFA's a bit like life, really. It has its many ups and its many downs. If you're having a few more downs than ups in real life in these more difficult times, then please don't feel that you're alone or need to struggle on without taking action. If you go to thecalmzone.net, there's loads of resources, advice, support, or even just a friendly chat for anyone who needs it. If it sounds like it could help you, then head over to thecalmzone.net And for now, have a good one, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special, or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.